Hey ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry, episode 72. Sorry there was no episode last week, we had some technical difficulties, but we're back. Um, as always, I'm joined by Dom. This is a v-neck t-shirt you're looking at. <laughs> and, and Jordan. Buenos dias, muchachos. Uh, yes, yeah, so let's hop into everything we've been playing. Uh, for me, laundry list of games. No, I, I've just been playing Destiny 2. A whole lot of Destiny 2. <laughs> um, so, real quick, Jared, I just want to say I haven't played any Destiny, but I, like, okay, I want you two to imagine something. Okay. Think of, like, a situation in The Walking Dead where somebody pulls a gun on one of our main characters, right? And it's, like, some kid who's, like, sitting there shaking and he's, like got his finger on the trigger and he's like sweating and shaking and he's almost there he's about to pull the trigger and rick's like don't shoot don't shoot that's been me with destiny for like the past week where i'm like he's <laughs> about to pull that fucking trigger i'm so fucking close and i'm just like yeah man i'm just on that edge and so i'm gonna eventually buy it but i, I want to hear obviously your thoughts because i'm just like i'm right there man i'm right on that edge Okay, so I'll compare it, uh, like I was talking about before the show, to the first one, because that's the whole reason I even ended up buying this. If you guys remember on the show I stated previously, like, the first one burned me so much, I was not going to be into this game, I'm going to hear reviews to see how it goes and stuff like that. And after we started hearing previews and reviews of the game, it sold me on it. And after playing mm. it, uh, I'm super sold, and I'll tell you why. So, what I'll go through the list of my gripes of the first game. Um, so, the story. Obviously, the story was almost non-existent in the first game. I can't yeah. even really remember remember a whole lot of the story. Um, there wasn't really even like a central villain. Um, you were just learning about all these races and it was hodgepodge together. We had the stories of them pulling out the whole story team at the end of development. Big old right, thing. Big right. old mess. Um, what was the guy that they kept talking about but never shows up? He's like the somebody. The, his name ends in ER. Like the watcher or the... The speaker? The, the speak was it the speaker it was somebody that they just kept referencing throughout that tiny campaign and he never shows up like they never tie that off yeah so i don't want to spoil destiny 2 for you because if you do they actually it, bring him up is he actually a thing well i don't even remember exactly who you're talking about specifically but yeah uh so i can't say I. yes or no because I, I, I don't know um so the second game you have a central villain you have gall right big bad um the thing I like about him is he's a villain with a motive that isn't necessarily pure evil, it's just that he has a different set of standards than you do. So, though you don't necessarily disagree with his the way he's going about it, he has a reason for all of his actions, which I personally really like in a villain. Somebody who's multifaceted, you know what I mean? A complete character, not just, he's a bad guy. Um, and like yeah. I said, I don't want to get into the specifics, I don't want to spoil it for you. But there's clearly a beginning, middle, and end to this story, and there's okay. a justifiable resolution, and there's an after credit scene, uh, quote-unquote, that really gets you excited for the future with DLC and stuff like that. Um, okay. There's enough story pieces that let you get invested into the game. Um, I feel like the gameplay switches up a lot during the story mode. So you have your... Obviously, this game is great at first-person shooting, right? It just feels fantastic. Sure. It's like the A++ sure. of this game. But there's missions in this game where you're in a tank. Uh, and there's missions in this game where you're not necessarily shooting people. You're carrying an object to an area and trying to survive through that. It changes up a lot of these. I mean, the core is still shooting people, right? right. But there are enough of these like delineations from the core that make it, like, spice it up enough to make it exciting, which I really enjoyed. Um, okay. And, I, I, yeah, I do think the story... Obviously, you're not getting The Last of Us. This isn't Naughty Dog. This isn't, like, storytellers that know how to, you know, do these great things. But it is, I think, a great story for a first-person shooter. Um, okay. No. So that's my first gripe. So the story completely fixed that in the second game. Another gripe Very I had is... Very important to me. Yeah. Pulling that trigger. Um, once you reach level 20 in the first game, it was all about grinding your gear. But there wasn't enough variety in missions or activities where it was just you grinding over and over in the same things and it got dry, it got repetitive and for some people that was okay but for me there wasn't enough variation in these activities to justify me grinding light outside of the raid, right? Um, yeah. For this, there's a bunch of activities. There's side missions you can do. There's these lost sectors that are these areas that aren't necessarily, all of them aren't marked. They're just these little avenues 
you get rewarded for exploring. So if you find this weird like cave in this hill, you go through it, you go down, it says Lost Sector Discovered, you kill all the enemies, there's just like a mini boss at the end, you get a chest with some really good rewards. So the game rewards you for exploring. There's a lot of different activities. You get a grind however you want and it doesn't feel like you're running the same things over and over and over. Uh, there's a good variety of public events. If you remember the public events in the first Destiny, there was like one or two of them. This one, there's so many different variations on them that it, it kind of stays fresh. Um, and the cool thing is after you hit level 20, your XP bar can continuously get filled up the way it did before but you get a bright Ingram. And what that is is that allows you to get legendary items from the microtransaction vendor in the game. That's the easiest way to describe it. The lady that you can pay real money to to get Ingrams, the separate lady, you can earn those yeah. same Ingrams just from leveling up past 20, which in the first game, there was no reason to level up past 20. That you, I don't even think it was possible. It was just your light level that mattered. So this allows you to, after you hit 20, getting XP still matters and getting light isn't, frustrating you know um and i i just think that they fixed a lot of the issues the first game had the shader issue which you guys are familiar with i don't need to go into that it's still kind of crummy and for the time being i'm keeping at least one shader of each color just in case they switch it so i have those there um which is basically just the fact that they're consumable and you can pay real money for them and but you can't you pick specifically that, yeah you can't pick specifically and then once you move on from that that uh weapon or piece of armor then it's like the shaders just you know, used up for that or whatever. Exactly, and I will agree. Like they've, like uh, Luke Smith said, they do drop pretty frequently after you hit level twenty. But the thing is, is that not necessarily the ones you want. Like you get a lot more shaders, but it's a lot of like commons and uncommons and unnecessary those legendaries, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I just think the game. I don't want to spend too long on this, so we can we can talk about everything in the show. But uh, I do think it's vastly improved from the first game. Um, if, you know, the story was a gripe for you, I think, you know, this being a lot better and a lot more structured and it having an actual story, um, yeah. is good. Um, yeah, but I don't, I don't want to say, oh, go buy it tomorrow. You need to buy it. I would say, yeah, if you want to get on sale, get on sale. Just know that it's going to be harder for you to do the late game stuff, like the raid and stuff with people jumping in that late, you know? Um, do you... Is the do you feel like the raid is a uh, big part of the experience that I would be missing out on if I didn't no. fuck with it? No, okay. I think if so, if you're if you're getting this game for sixty bucks, I think the raid is important. I think it's something that you want to involve yourself in, get your bang for your buck. If you're picking up this up on sale, forty bucks down the road, and you complete the story, you level up your light, you got to do nightfall strikes, you got to do all this other stuff. I think it's totally worth your money, but. If you're going to be paying full um, price I be match for it, made? Uh, yeah, they have the guided games. It's in beta right now, um, and you can go in there and click on it, and it'll put you in a raid with other people. Um, obviously, so I don't you want to communicate with them. Have a whole fucking team of people. Exactly. That's another thing they change is that it feels a lot more open to uh, people who don't necessarily have a group of five people that they can hop in with and do so, the raid every week. So, question about that though. So, what I'm hearing. And, and I, have, I, have, I share this concern with Jordan, whereas I don't okay. have anyone... One, I don't have time to do a whole raid all at once. That's just not... And you, you know, technically don't have to, especially with this guided game. And I'll explain that after you're done. Okay, so that's, that's that was going to be my question, is you can okay. get match made with um, five others or whatever. But from what I'm hearing, you really do need to be in like good communication with all five other people and have them yes. consistently with you the whole time to have a chance at you know succeeding in the raid and... And getting um, the most out of it. So I, I would worry that, I mean, judging by matchmaking in every other multiplayer game, you, at best you get a bunch of people with no mics or they're just not cooperating or not, you know, not they're not up to par. I, I just don't think would, that yeah, would you have to have mics? Would you have to have mics on everybody, even if you don't know them, to get through the raid? Okay, so that depends on what kind of raid experience you want. So... For me, we hop in with six people. I haven't done the raid yet, by the way. But, like, I did the raids, obviously, in the first Destiny. I had five other friends go in there. You need to communicate. Now, there's two different ways you can do this. It's active communication of, like, six of you are in a party. Go here, go here, go here, go here. But if you're familiar enough with the raid and you've watched, like, YouTube clips of it and you know what you're supposed to do, you could technically go in there and just it's a timing thing and not be able to talk to people. But in order to have the best experience and to get through it, in a fun manner where you're not constantly because you're going to be be frustrated don't get me wrong but 
So you're not there for hours and hours. You're going to need to communicate with people. So that is the weird thing. And I'm not going to say it's 100% like, you know, good for you guys is that I don't know because I haven't used guided games. That's not my experience with raids. I don't know how it's going to be. It could be great. And there could be, there could, there could be, uh, how would I say this? A minimal entry thing that you need to get into the guided games of like, hey, you need to be at least this light level and done these things in order to oh, get sure. into the sure, guided sure. games. Um, some yeah, you're yeah. not with people. It might be mic is required. That would be pretty cool. Like they make it so you have to have a mic. I don't know. I'm not familiar with those that information because it's still in beta, and I haven't used it myself. Um, yeah. But with the raid, you don't need to do it all at once. There's sections to the raid, so oh, so and, there's checkpoints. Exactly. So you could go in, do a checkpoint, and you're like, oh, I have to go, and then go into the guided games, find another guided game for that spot you're in, and then go and do that section. I'm assuming okay. that's how it's gonna okay. work. Because the way you do it with your own team, me and my five friends, is we're like, hey, we can only get one section done. I gotta go. Next night, we're like, hey, let's do, let's pick up where we left off, and that centers around the host of the game. So they could go and host their own raid and do their own thing with other people. But once I'm the host, it'll go back to the specific checkpoint I was at. You know, so I don't have to worry about losing my spot. I don't know how it's gonna work in guided games. Like I said, it's a new feature. Um, you say that's in beta. What what does that mean? I've never heard of a f specific feature in a game being in beta. I have no idea. You get this. So when you finish <laughs> the game, you get this thing that says guided games beta. You're allowed to enter in guided games. Um, I just think it's their way of saying like, hey, we haven't worked out all the kinks. Don't go crazy. Sure. I think that's, that's like a new feature. They're still working on and fixing bugs. And it's probably just probably so they don't have to listen to people bitch while they work out the kinks. Exactly. So, and like I said, it's a new feature, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be 100 percent certain saying like, hey, yeah, guys, get Destiny two. <laughs> you know, guided games work perfectly. I'm not sure. So was there any matchmaking in Destiny one? Uh, as far as like, uh, you getting with like randomly getting paired with people for the raid and stuff, zero. Yeah. So you would have to have a team ready to Or go. go to the forums. Yeah, you'd have to go to the forums fuck or go to the Reddit. A, or... Yeah, fuck that. So yeah. to be clear, though, I'm not like – I think that they're going to risk making it too accessible. So I'm not like sitting here whining and saying like they need to make this raid like more accessible so people like me can play it. Like I think if you go too far in that direction, then the raid starts to lose what made it fucking cool, well, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. So you, you, you got, they have to be careful with that. Well – they want to expand their audience, of course, but the raid's not going to be nearly as cool if it's way easier and you don't need mics and any any you know Joe Hobo can can hop in and do it. That's kind of what makes it fun, right? Is like yeah, you it's have certainly to team special up and communicate. That's kind of what makes it special, right? Like these, you know, uh, like like Evolve. Uh, if you guys remember that game, it, I think right. most I people didn't game. really like it, right? <laughs> most people were just kind of like, "What the hell is this?" But when you get and I'm just speaking on other people's experiences, not my own, but apparently when you get, like, a group that you know and you're all playing, like, you're all buying into it 100%, it's fucking thrill, right? Yeah. But yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of the point, and if you make it too accessible and to where it works, where you don't have to have a group that you know and buy in 100%, then you end up with, you know, Call of Duty multiplayer, where, you know, you can have some fun with it, but it's not that special thing that well, it I don't know. That's just got to put, put that perspective out there. That yeah. I'm not, like telling them they should make it accessible for me but i'm just saying it's not for me um, exactly and that's the thing fine. though i want to i want to say is with the first destiny the raids were mandatory in terms of getting your fulfillment with the game because there was so bare bones like the the content wasn't there right. for the first game which makes yeah. it even worse that they didn't have matchmaking with this game obviously you want to get to the raids the raids are the pinnacle like you want to complete a raid that's like part of the thing right, right? But there's, I, I, I will stress, I believe that there's enough content in this game that if you'd never even have a chance to touch a raid, you would be satisfied. At least, like, the $40 range. I can't really justify, like, oh, paying full price, it's on the back of the box, do a raid, and then you, you don't get to it, you know what I mean? But I do think you can get enough fulfillment with this game without doing the raid. Um, I, I, I think that's I, that's something I would never say for the first game, <laughs> by any means. Um I just think there's a, there's a, so much content in it, and there's so much character. That's the other thing I didn't for, I, I forgot to touch on, is that in the first game, you there was all these people at the table where you got your gear. There was Cade and Ikora and Zavala, but they were just the people standing there, right? They weren't just yeah. they weren't characters. They were just people there that you went up and pressed X to. 
In this game, they do a better job of fleshing out those characters, like Cade Six is the comic relief, Ikora is the re the religious nomad that's kind of on her own, Zavala's like, you know, the broken hero who's trying to find meaning in life now that the light is gone, because that's a big part of the story is the light disappearing. They flesh out these characters in a way that they feel like characters, and that's, I think that was a big thing that was missing in the first game, was like, you're the guardian, there's all these other people that don't matter. In this game, it's like, no, you're fighting alongside these people. Um, another thing I want to touch on real quick, I've been going for a long time, I don't want to hear what you guys have been playing, so I'm not going to go too too long. Um, at the beginning of the game, during the prequel mission where you're on the tower, you've seen it in the demo that people have previewed, um, where you're that they're attacking the tower right when the city falls. It, it basically puts you in the game with other people who are starting the game, so you kind of already get the feeling of there being, like, it's a multiplayer game, there's other people around you. They're in their own instance, but you see them fighting too, which is really cool. At the very end of the game, right before the big boss fight, there's a section where you run alongside other people who aren't necessarily in your fire team but are playing that final mission too. And I think it's a really cool way of bookending like, no, this is about more than just you. This is playing with other people. And they do it very subtly. You know, nowhere else in the game do you really run into other players during a story mission, but the first mission and towards the end of that last mission, you see other guardians doing you know trying to accomplish what you're accomplishing and it kind of feels like a living world it's really cool it's a very subtle thing that i don't see people talking about um hmm. yeah yeah i hadn't heard that it's it's i think it's a really nice little touch that people don't really talk about and lastly really quick so we can hop into what you guys have been playing um i said i didn't like rick and morty i watched the first episode i didn't like it oh that's what it was okay <laughs> i decided to give it another chance i'm up to episode yeah. five i yeah. love this show <laughs> oh yes okay because uh, you know behind the scenes for everybody watching listening dom just told me before the show that he doesn't like dragon ball or gundam so my heart has been crushed <laughs> but now resurrected through the fact that jared has come to the light and realized well, how fucking I'm gonna, great rick and morty is i'm gonna make a statement the pilot for rick and morty is awful in my personal opinion, let me let, hear me out. Hear me out. It's, I think it's it, it's one of I would say it's definitely nowhere close to their best episode. That's yeah. for sure. They have well, way, the, way, way better episodes. Well, the reason I'm saying it's awful is because I think it's awful in showcasing what the show actually is and is about. Because all the pilot, the, the original pilot tells you is that there's this drunk grandpa and he's running around with his right. grandson and they're in space. Yeah. There's a lot more nuance to the show, and a, 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 I don't know. I just don't think the first episode the pilot paints the episode of the, the series in the light that the rest of the episodes show you like even in the second episode and you when the dog becomes uh you know the you know sentient with the robot he's like where's my <laughs> testicles sarah like just so funny yeah. and like they have so many twists on sci-fi and fantasy tropes oh and gosh jared keep going with this motherfucker yeah. because you are not going to believe where they go especially with the sci-fi and fantasy stuff. and i haven't like, where we're at in season three is incredible there's there's only a couple of like comedy cartoons like adult comedy where I've watched it and I've immediately clicked with it and for me it was the first like five to six seasons of Family Guy and Futurama like Futurama to me is really I love Futurama and like watching this I really like it but I'm I'm the pilot is so bad in comparison to the other well, episodes man because it it just left a sour taste in my mouth and it's nowhere near as enjoyable as those other four episodes right. I've watched not even close speaking on some of those other adult animated shows that you mentioned I think that pilot makes it just feel like another one of those which yeah. Adult Swim has in in droves so yeah. I think that um I can enjoy Family Guy or Simpsons, Futurama, South Park, and I can even appreciate their genius that others have explained to me uh, throughout, you know, watching multiple seasons. But I do think that Rick and Morty is absolutely something special that those shows don't necessarily have and is something uh, just beyond, just beyond, beyond their, their uh, reach, kind of. Um, so, yeah, I'm so glad that you're diving in for real. Yeah, um, I went a little long with Destiny 2 because you guys were asking me questions justifiably, so it's the biggest sure, game sure. right now, so everyone wants to know exactly what's going down. Um, but yeah, what have you guys been playing and watching? Alright, I'm going to jump in, I'm going to jump in. Skyrim. I forgot to tell you guys. <laughs> Just nope, not Skyrim. Skyrim's <laughs> gone, it's dead. Forever Dragon gone. Ball Super? Definitely oh, not. Uh, played more Ooh. Persona 4. Ooh, cool. It's okay. a good game. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I also played uh, 
Telltale Batman, uh, Enemy Within, the first episode. Nice. I forgot to tell you guys, I finished that up. It's nice. absolutely amazing. I right. liked it a lot too, yeah. It, holy crap, Can't it was wait. good. Um, that's all I'll say for now. <laughs> Just play it if you haven't. And I put about an hour or so into Dishonored, Death of the Outsider. Ooh, cool. Because Amazon shipped it four days after release, even though I pre-ordered it. Whatever, Ouch. not that mad. I'm not that mad. Just cool. Just cool. <laughs> um, so I only played like the first mission. First mission, which was good. It's more more of Dishonored too. Um, uh, the voice actor for the main character, I can't think of her name. She's a pretty big actress. It's um, not Laura Bailey, like a, right? No, like she's in movies. Who is about to come up later? I think I'm pretty sure she's black. I can't. Uh, keep keep, I, keep talking about your experience. I'll look it up. I'll yeah. Look it up. <laughs> anyway, anyway, she's, she's absolutely superb uh, voice acting from her so far. But otherwise, I mean, I've I, you know played it now. I'm not going to say too much at this point, but it's great. Um, more Dishonored too, so I can't wait to get more into that. Um, mm. As I kind of await, um, let's. I mean, Mario Odyssey and Wolfenstein. Kind of in a in a lull oh, until that. Oh, Rosario so. Dawson voices her. Right. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yes. yeah. I did not that's know that. Also, she is a great yeah. voice actress. She's yeah. done uh, Wonder Woman for Dude. some of the Justice League animated mm-hmm. movies. She's great. Michael Madsen's in it too. What the heck? Nice. nice. Yes. Michael Madsen. They always have voice actor cool. from Walking Dead season two. Man, yeah. they always have like bomb ass voice actors in, in these Dishonored games. It's weird. Yeah, they just yeah. blow the budget out on that. I Dude, guess. Dude, uh, young Emily Caldwell in original Dishonored is Chloe Grace Moretz. Wow, it's, yeah, who's yeah, a it, giant it, actress. Man, it's part. really sad that like this might be the last Dishonored we get for a while, which kind of sucks, you know. But yeah, it's I mean, my fault. I didn't play him. <laughs> I didn't buy him. You know. It's all your fault, Jared. Yeah, it just needs to take a break. I, I, I kind of like that. I mean, I, I wish it would sell a lot, but. I also like the idea of kind of putting things to rest for a while, giving them a break. Um, yeah. Um, I will say this. Uh, yeah. Dishonored's lack of success is certainly not my fault because I purchased the original game three separate times, <laughs> and I've now purchased the second game twice. Um, and I don't do that with games. I've, I'm not an idiot, but uh, <laughs> I got the original one on Xbox 360, didn't really get around to playing it, so eventually traded it in. Then got it on, got the full edition on PS3, and then not too long after that, they came out with the PS4 version, which is only 20 bucks. I'm like, well, I'm just going to go ahead and play the PS4 version because it's upgraded and shit. And then got the physical version of Dishonored 2 and eventually was like, well, it's on sale and I like having my games digital, so I'll trade this in get some of that credit back so I'm not totally just screwing myself and then get the digital version. So yeah, I've bought this game you know, both of the games way too many times and I've bought, though I haven't got around to it I've bought Death of the Outsider. So it's not my fault, I know that much. How long do um, you expect this game to be, Dom? Like what, 8 hours? Oh, I looked it up I think, it, yes, uh, the average is 7 hours. Okay, cool. So it's like a Lost Legacy type deal. And this was a, a $30 game. Oh, perfect! Yeah, nice. And it was even cheaper with Amazon's uh, Prime discount too. So, yeah, okay. that's cool. Yeah. That's that's what I've been playing and doing. Watching more Batman the animated series, American yeah. Horror Story. What I'm caught up on that. It's uh, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> that's all I'll say about it. Yeah, they they just they're doing Damn. what they're doing. Damn. So Dom, are you gonna watch Batman Beyond after you finish the animated series? Uh, maybe it's not free on Amazon like the rest of the yeah, animated series you is. Have to but track I, it down. I did watch um the Batman Beyond the movie, The Return of the Joker. It's on mm. HBO now. Um, so I watched that a little while back. It was pretty cool. Wait, are you still yep. paying for HBO still... now? Not anymore. No, it just expired. Oh, okay. Two days ago. <laughs> okay. So I'm I'm two episodes into Westworld, and I'm really might turn it back on to finish that because that show is fucking sweet. I would say it's worth it. It's worth a month, dude. I, yeah, I, I would say yeah. Westworld's worth a month. Westworld for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. So, that's what I've been doing. Also, isn't American Gods? No, that's Stars, isn't it? Yes. Mm, I don't yeah, know. it's weird. I watched the first episode of that. Interesting. <laughs> Shout out to weeks. Stars for putting their TV series out in 4K. Shout that's out cool. to Stars. I'm guessing Outlander you. And- you had another Amazon plethora of Amazon. Uh, Amazon. Uh, <laughs> another plethora of yeah, anima, Japan animation. Yeah, I had. Uh, I watched quite a bit of anima um, oh, this God. week. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, I was definitely down with the anime. Uh, you know, watch some Gundam, which is really fucking awesome. And you should totally be <laughs> into that series if you're not. Uh, Mobile Suit Zeta Gundam, to be uh, exact. Uh, that's the second series ever produced. Um, finished up all of uh, One Punch Man. I had finished the series, but I wanted to watch the OVAs, which the OVAs were fucking great. Um, little ten-minute bits that uh, I wasn't expecting to be so damn good. What does OVA stand for? Um, so OVAs are original video animation, and they're basically okay. just... Uh, it's a, really an anime thing, and they're just bonus episodes is all they are. Oh, cool. They can be... You know, they could be up to, like, an hour long, or they can... Like, these were just ten minutes apiece, so, so they can be anywhere. just for... Just for... Uh... Would the the little short ones that play before the Pokemon movies would those be those be considered OVAs? Yeah, well, okay. that's the thing is there's some there's some uh, other terms that you can use like um, those are like on Wikipedia, uh, like which is which is the wiki for Pokemon. Yeah, they call them shorts just because Pokemon has actual OVAs. Usually, OVAs are the size of a single episode; they're about twenty okay. minutes. And so Pokemon, obviously, is such a long-running series that it has specials, it has uh, shorts, it has movies, it's got yeah. all... Yeah, and there's there's also ONAs, which are original net animations, which the, all those are, it's kind of like how we call DLC, downloadable content. It's like an ONA is just an OVA that aired online, you know? Oh, so okay. it's like, well, Netflix shows are still TV series, even though they don't air on cable. You know, it's kind of like yeah. that side of, sort of dynamic. I got you. But yeah, um, great OVAs from One Punch Man. Then um, finished up the first season of My Hero Academia and also watched the OVAs for that series. Um, quite enjoyable. I think it's a little overrated. Uh, I do think that... A lot of people talk about how this is like totally turning all the shonen uh, anime tropes on its head, and like is you know kind of doing things that they wish other series would do. And I, I get that to a point, but I think it's a little overblown on the internet. I think that it's in a lot of ways still kind of a regular shonen series, uh, but a very good one nonetheless. And uh, actually, it's cool because both One Punch Man and uh, my Hero Academia, they're both very clearly heavily influenced from, like, the, uh, you know, the boom of American superheroes uh, that we're having right now, and, like, the, the boom of the popularity of American superheroes, I should say. They're very heavily influenced. Because there's plenty of shonen anime and uh, stuff from Japan that is, you know, has their own, like, superheroes, basically, even though they don't usually call them that, but they're not usually so intrinsically tied to feeling American in such a way. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was very interesting, because those are both recent shows, and it's clearly, like, you know, probably the Marvel movies themselves are the things that are influencing that boom internationally so much. So interesting uh, tie-in, I guess you could say there. Um, and then I've also started watching Yu Yu Hakusho, which is an older series from the 90s. I'm kind of trying to, when it comes to anime, I'm trying to build out what I've seen to where I'm, I'm getting all the classics uh, kind of taken care of so I can have more of a conversation with people that know more about the breadth of anime. Um, so Yu Yu Hakusho was the next on my list, and it's very enjoyable. It's um, about a boy the first scene of the show he dies saving a kid from a car accident and so it's all about the spirit world and um him being like a ghost detective is the subtitle for some of the original episodes so very interesting the reason i brought up laura bailey earlier when we were trying to figure out that voice actress for dishonored was um as i've talked about earlier i'm really mostly into dubs when it comes to anime, I like listening to the English voices, even though a lot of people shit on them. And I've already said my piece about that. But the interesting thing about this is it's a show from the 90s where Laura Bailey plays one of the young teenage girls uh, as a very young voice actress. Like, I, would, I recognize her voice all the time whenever she does stuff. And um, I didn't recognize her at all. And then I saw her in the credits. I was like, holy shit, that's crazy. Because she was... I haven't looked it up specifically, but she was obviously very young when she did that, so it's cool to see her kind of come full circle with that career. Uh, congratulations to her. Um, and then continuing on with One Piece. One Piece is still great. 
Uh, didn't get around to any Dragon Ball this week, even though that is also an awesome series that you should totally <laughs> be into if you like that type of stuff. Uh, at least give it a chance, I should I should say. And um, as far as what I've been playing, I have been playing quite a bit of Pokemon Sun on my 3DS. Hell yeah. Um, enjoying it quite a bit. Uh, I am, you know, like I said, I'm trying to go through a lot of these different Shonen anime series. Um, that I either liked as a kid or just haven't really gotten around to, and so I'm putting together my Pokemon collection as I am with Gundam, which there's just so many fucking uh, series and episodes and movies to both of those series that it's just... Jared, you were, trying to, you were talking about, like, what is an OVA? There's, there's <laughs> OVAs, there's ONAs, yeah. there's specials, there's shorts, there's series, there's movies, and so, yeah. Um, lots and lots of shit from, from uh, both of those two franchises, two of the biggest and longest-running uh, coming out of Japan, but obviously, uh, seeing all that Pokemon stuff has been kind of giving me that itch. So I've been playing quite a bit of Pokemon Sun, and um, I don't know, man. I'm 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 thinking about Pokemon. Uh, is it both Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon? Are they both Ultra? Yeah, Ultra Sun and Ultra. Uh, Moon. Yeah, yeah. So I think I'll probably be playing Ultra Sun because I know they were a little bit uh, hazy on what exactly it was that was they were changing or upgrading about those games when they first announced them, but it seems like they're going to be different enough from some of the details that we've gotten that they're going to be worth uh, playing on their own right, not just like a uh, uh, gold, silver plus crystal or red, blue plus yellow where they just tweak one little thing and they want you to buy the game again. So we'll see, but yeah, for now I'm definitely enjoying Pokemon Sun. Shout out to Pokemon Bank, which is a super nerdy thing for uh, fans of Pokemon. <laughs> it's essentially an app on the 3DS that'll probably be on the Switch when the Pokemon Switch game comes out. It's an app that you pay like five bucks a year for, and right. uh, you get to transfer all your Pokemon into it, and you have access it's to Pokemon them at all Cloud. times. Exactly, and it's sweet because it's not the thing where you have to tra- you have to transfer your Pokemon from the GB version to the GBA version, from the GBA yeah, version to the yeah. Ugh, that was awful. Before the 3DS, they had some jacked up ways you could technically, you know, take from every generation and like basically pull your collection through if you yeah. really wanted to take the time and get like different adapters and shit. But at this point, it's nice to just have the one cloud system that pulls them through for each generation. Exactly. Um... Yeah, let's hop into the news. Uh, we're not going to be going too long on all of these stories, but we'll touch on each of them. So the first news story is uh, Super Meat Boy, the devs, Team Meat. Uh, they're working on Super... Uh, they worked on Meat Boy. Obviously, they're working on Super Meat Boy now. Um, they basically have a tease that they're working on a Metroidvania game. So a fan tweeted them, and they're like, Hey, I'm playing Samus Metroid Returns. I love Meat Boy and Super Meat Boy. You know, I would love if uh, you guys made a Metroidvania game. And Timmy replied yeah. and said, I think you'll be very happy in a few years. Uh, wink, wink, nod, nod. So um, their team is very creative. They've worked on numerous things. One of them went off and made um, Binding of Isaac, which is a fantastic game. Um, they also made, I, uh, the, the name's escaping me, not Hollow Knight. What's the other game? Uh, name Shovel escaping Knight. Me. No, not Shovel Knight. Uh, just the same aesthetic, like the black and white of Hollow Knight. Forgot the name of the game, but they're very talented and they're good at making video games. So I, I can't wait to see them, you know, tackle a Metroidvania game because we do get some instances of it. Like I think Ori in the Blind Forest is a great Metroidvania esque kind of game. Um, right. But I love Team Meat and I love the way they handle movement in games. So I'm going to be interested mm-hmm. to see because their games are very fast paced. It's not, it's not like slow and methodical. It's very fast paced. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle a Metroidvania really cool they they we get a lot of those type games but i don't think we get a lot of them that measure up to the greatness of the name that they're conjuring you know yeah. the metroid yeah. and the vein the castlevania i don't think that there's enough of those because there's so many of those indie games that try to be like that but not enough of them are actually kind of worthy of that title i think and it seems like from the stuff they've done previously that they could make a game that would be worthy yeah, and I hope this thing gets the first on Switch treatment because boy howdy, what a Metroidvania by Team Meat! Boy so howdy! <laughs> hey Jordan, <clears throat> yes, sir. I don't know what game did live up to the Metroidvania title so much so that it actually took the title and made it Dragon own Ball Z title. Budokai Three. No, oh. Jared, I think you know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's now its own genre. Uh. It's a very difficult game. Oh, uh, Souls-esque? Come on. That, that is exactly what it did. 
instead of everyone calling it a Metroidvania, which it really is, yeah, just 3D, yeah, it gets its own genre now. Boom. Yeah. They, well, and I was also going to bring up the Souls series uh, when you were talking about Destiny raids and how you don't want to make them too accessible because then they're not special anymore. Good point. Very that's good. exactly what that yeah. series is. Great well, analogy. And yeah. the beautiful thing with raids, too, that not a lot of people know is, like, each section has, like, loot chests. So even if you're not able to complete a raid, if you hop in, you're able to do one section and get some loot, you can improve your character so next time you're even stronger in the raid. So you don't necessarily have to Destiny's finish the raid all either. about that loot, baby. Give me that loot, Destiny. Exactly. Uh, all about that fucking loot. <laughs> uh, Give me some shaders, man. The second news story, uh, Xbox boss Phil Spencer joins Microsoft senior leadership team. Um, people are making this weird hullabaloo on a slight tangent that, uh, you know, it's not mentioned anything about him being like the Xbox guy. He's known as the Microsoft games guy now. I don't think that's a huge deal. I just think that, like, they see how much good he's doing with Xbox that, like, they want him to make sure that Windows games take off, too, because obviously we see this resurgence of them trying to, you know, make Windows as viable as a storefront as Steam is, which it'll never be, but, you know, they're really trying. Um, Yeah. I think this is huge, though, because for a while we were worried that, is Microsoft even committed to Xbox? Like, they don't even really need Xbox. Like, Sony needs PlayStation, Microsoft doesn't even need Xbox. Like they could shut it down tomorrow, and it wouldn't affect their their top line. You know what I mean? Um, right. And this is great because this shows that like, no Xbox is important to them. Phil Spencer is important to them, and he's on their senior leadership team now. And I yep. think this is great because this means he has a bigger voice in that company, right? That's uh, what I'm saying. I think it's actually better for Xbox because it yeah. really solidifies him as being. Uh, it solidifies him and Xbox itself as being. A, a really important part of that company. It's yeah, yeah. It, he gets a seat at that table, right? So no, no longer. Um, it, I mean, is he as much you know at the mercy of what uh, the CEO and the the top executives say? Right now, he's actually a part of that discussion on what happens to yeah, Xbox. Right. So, but, I mean, yeah. which I'm sure he had some input before, but it was more of an ask. Whereas now, as you're on the leadership team, I, I mean, every com- company functions differently, but. You have a bigger slice of the gets, pie. <laughs> well, he gets he gets a vote, so to speak, exactly, on what yeah. goes down. So. And we've mentioned this; all three of us have on the <laughs> show before. But you know, if you want a game a gaming PC that's going to run games in 4K, even at 30 frames a second, like the Xbox One X uh, seemingly is going to do, it's going to cost you a lot more than the Xbox One would, even at its uh, outrageous price point that <laughs> yeah. everyone's talking about. Mm-hmm. It. So Which, I think that. It is going to be a lot more successful than people want to make it out to be because that's perf- That's what console gaming is for, is for people that don't want to blow out for a giant, you know, badass PC, but still want to be able to have a, a solid gaming experience. And I think that that's what they're going to do with the One X. So, yeah. Jared, to your first point that some people are concerned about the, the wording of his, of his title um, being, you know, Microsoft Games instead of Xbox... I can't remember the exact words, but yeah, um, that's not. I think you're right. That's not a concern because I mean, there are they've already been heading in that direction. I mean, we've been saying this for a long time. They've been like, you can buy games on Xbox and you are and you get it on PC for free also, right? Like, yeah, that they, they've been heading. This isn't a new thing. This isn't like all of a sudden like, oh crap, what are they doing? They're moving it all to PC. Like, I mean, obviously that's an exaggeration, but this this trend that they've been going on that's not new. So. This is just reconfirming, like, yeah, like, what they're doing is working for them. So yeah. also, people it, like it, myself it, who are maybe, like, kind of hesitant, like, I don't know if they should put their exclusives on PC. Like, they might make some money there on the exclusives, but they might lose some Xbox sales. Obviously, they're making enough on the exclusives to make up for any, if, you know, if there are any lost console sales from putting their exclusives on PC. I mean, if they're going to keep heading this direction, that tells me that it's working and they're making money on it. So yeah. whether you call it... Windows, you know, whether the the next thing is called the Windows Microsoft Xbox or something, whatever, like it's all good. Like yeah. Phil's in the neighborhood. And I th- <laughs> Oh my <laughs> god. I think two things. One that, you know, 
that's the way it should be. The their ex, the Microsoft exclusives should be on Windows and Xbox because you want to be able to have the the souped up version on your PC if you do want to pay that extra money. You know, people have been asking about why isn't Halo on PC for years, and now they get it, yeah. or seemingly they will get it, and they're like, I don't know, it ruins the the. There's no point for me to own Xbox on now. The, yeah, yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> and then also the title thing with him being the games executive, it's like. That just makes... It's a better name. It just makes more sense for an executive of a giant fucking company instead of... Like, let's be honest. Xbox, PlayStation, they're goofy fucking names at yeah. the end of the day. Like, yeah. You don't want to be like, all right, and over here, this is our networking executive. That guy's our software executive. And this guy is our Xbox executive. <laughs> like, it sounds fucking dumb. So he's the games executive. Yeah. Well, it's like... So it doesn't sound like uh, a fucking toy, which is what they started out being, you know? Yeah. Well, you see this a lot with, like, companies uh uh you know mission or those kind of statements where it's you know is ford a car company or are they a transportation company right right um whether it's cars or automated cars whatever it is that's future proofing because they're going to eventually be making transportation devices that aren't cars just like microsoft's going to be making games that are like virtual experiences hololens like vr right exactly it's not just going to be like you know Madden or whatever. Yeah. Uh, the two points I want to add on after every, every, all the great things you guys have said about this is, one, for people out there, the senior leadership team isn't like a... It isn't just like a, a no-name title. There's only 16 people in all of Microsoft in this, including the CEO, the CFO. Um, like, it's a, this is a top, like, elite group in Microsoft's giant company, so it, it means a whole lot. And on top of the it Xbox does. One X thing where you were saying it is, a, a, you know... It's worth the price. I think we kind of saw that recently with the announcement of the price point for the iPhone X coming in at a thousand dollars. I think you can justify yeah. a four K box of five hundred dollars a little bit more when you see that there's a smartphone that's a thousand dollars. Right. Yeah, in my personal opinion, anyways. Uh, next up, we're gonna run over. There wasn't a whole lot of Tokyo Game Show. Uh, we'll talk about it a little bit before we hop into the topics. So we can close out the show. Really, the biggest things were they showed off some new Shadow of the Colossus gameplay, um, showed off some new Monster Hunter World gameplay. Final Fantasy IX uh, was announced and released on the same day for PS4, the re-release. Um, and I think personally, for me, the biggest announcement from TGS wasn't even a really like killer announcement either. Was Left Alive, which is this game taking place in the Front Mission universe, which is like this mech universe. Uh, it's this franchise uh, that's been around for a while. Hasn't been a new game since PS3. Um, <laughs> Listening to you explain this is fucking hilarious. <laughs> uh, the coolest thing. Like, I, you don't even care what Front Mission is. It's just a fucking thing, guys. It's a I'm mech sorry, thing. Like, it's a thing with robots. Yeah, but. The art, the character design is do- being done by who, Jordan? Yoji Shinkawa. Your boy. Who is the, he is absolutely my fucking boy. He is also Hideo Kojima's boy because yep. he does uh, a lot of the artwork for the Metal Gear Solid series. He's also a... Uh, Hand was to the one king. of the founding members was one of the founding members of the new Kojima Productions. So yeah, this is going to be fucking dope because even the the promo image that they've released w- alongside this game is is you know he really hasn't changed a thing, which I'm totally fine with because he's one of the best artists of all fucking time. Yeah, it looks like it looks like uh, uh you know somebody from the the big boss family of the guy that he's got standing there. So. Um, yeah, it's just, oh, he's such a cool artist. If you guys don't know what we're talking about here, definitely go check him out. The way he uh, does art, his process is really cool, but also just his style is extremely unique, even in today's age. Excuse me, and um, just an unbelievably talented artist, so I'm very excited to see him on this game. And if you don't think that, you know, Oh, he's just an artist. Like, how much is he going to affect the actual game design? I think that you might be mistaken there. Yeah, Yeah. the visual aspect of games is obviously extremely important, especially as we move into this 4K age. It's the first thing that pulls you in or pushes you out of a game. Well, now, like, it's digital art. It's how they present themselves. Yeah. Right, exactly, yeah. And I think there's something lost, too, of, like, people often say now, well, we're entering a more digital space where, you know, is that box art even as important? Yeah, it is, because, like, even though right. you're not you're not looking at a physical version of the box art, when you go to the Xbox or PlayStation Store or even yeah. Steam, yep. there's that image, and you see that image, and you're like, oh, is that interesting or is that not? You know, just seeing the image can pull you in or not. 
And yeah. I was telling Jordan before the show, for somebody who's never played a Metal Gear game, I love the art that's always on those boxes. Like, Fucking anytime they have man. any promo art by uh, by him, it's just so fantastic. It's very iconic. And the thing I like about, um, for me with art, is somebody who's able to show you their unique style. And his style is all his own. Like, yeah, people can emulate it now because they know what his style is. But, like, no one else looks like him. You know what I mean? His, his style is uniquely Metal Gear. It's uniquely now in Left Alive, which I think this will probably be a series reboot. Um, in in the front mission universe, they say it takes place in the universe. Yeah. Um, this could be a thing where Left Alive isn't even the final name because personally, I don't think it communicates the game. Because for me, Left Alive sounds Generic. like a zombie survival game or something. It doesn't right, sound like right. a mech game uh, or a Metal Gear type game. So I thought that was really so. Cool. This is this came with the Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain uh, Collector's Edition Guide. This is a picture of Big Boss. Obviously, it's cool as fuck. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the eye patch and just the obviously the visual style that we're looking at here. But uh, I got, I I was uh, I bought the copy off of Amazon. The book came damaged, so I sent it back. I kept the fucking artwork because I was like, nah, <laughs> dude, I like it too much. So I have two of this same uh, prints because obviously I got a new version of the guide. So yeah, I love this shit. I have tons of posters uh, with this type of artwork because of my love for the Metal Gear series, but also just his art in general. Well, that goes back to like the conversation I was saying with the Game Informers, like things you can collect that like actually have a meaning to them, like a tangible meaning, like. Collecting his art, right. you never know when he's going to unfortunately pass away or maybe just stop doing art. And having that, like, piece of memorabilia mm. that he did is really cool. You know what I mean? Because it's his it's art It's fucking style. gorgeous. Yeah. It's fucking um, gorgeous. Last thing we want to talk about really quick before we head out, guys. Um, there was a really cool, touching tribute that people found um, to uh, Satoru Iwata. Um, it, it's, it's a very weird thing, and I think it's really cool because... Nintendo wasn't forefront about this. They didn't let anybody know about it. Hackers and, and people who were messing around with Switch um, found this weird emulator in the game. And they're like, this this is weird. Why is there an emulator? Like, is this for Virtual Console? What is this? The the emulator was referred to as Flog. And like, we don't understand we've, what's going on. We've been fucking begging them for Virtual Console. Yeah. And then they find out that every Switch has an NES emulator already installed, pre-installed on it. Yeah, and so they're like, well, well, that's weird. They ended up finding out also that um, something gets enabled through a secret Joy-Con handshake, but only on July 11th. Funny thing about that, that's the day, well, not so funny, I guess, but that's the day the Iwata passed. <laughs> um, and so they were wondering, well, what gets, you know, what happens when you enable the secret handshake? Um, through some messing around with the internal systems, messing with the clock and the dates and stuff, they were able to figure out what that was, and you actually get to play golf, which is a 1984 game developed by Iwata himself. Um, programmed by him. Yeah, programmed Iwata. by him, yeah. Um, which even leaves his legacy in an even greater spot, considering he's not one of these guys that came in and isn't around video games. There's stories about him sitting in subways, watching people play Nintendo games, enjoying it. He started from the bottom. Missing now his he's stop here, on the train you know? because he was enjoying watching them so much. <laughs> exactly. And, like, he he programmed games like he knows the painstaking process that is to make a game you know what i mean and right, right. this is really cool um there's always this weird thing when people pass away or even when people are in the hospital and stuff of like it's fighting your selfish desires and what's best for the person and i think this was a yeah. great middle ground of like nintendo it would have been kind of weird for them to come out and say like we're doing this thing for a water here you go but it was a nice they put it in there if people found it they found it um, and you know, it's Iwata, a great example, though it's uh, something that Nintendo doesn't often do. But it's a great example of them not being like, "Look at us, we're a Nintendo. Let us pat our own backs real quick." They just like they did it in the most badass way possible by sneaking it in there. Yeah, and the cool thing is, is that the the gesture for the Joy-Cons to unlock it is that like famous uh, gesture that Iwata did uh, during the Nintendo Direct, and like pushed his hands forward in front of his face he did constantly right. in the direct so it pays homage to him as well and you know it's it's just really cool to see something like this um so jared do you know the name of the japanese uh like memorials that they're emulating here 
Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Top of my head, yeah. I can't remember what it's called exactly, but essentially what it is is there's these, uh, I guess you could call them trinkets. Omomori. Uh, when so- Omomori, yeah. And so they're, they're these memoriams, these little things that you have when someone dies, and it's basically like they're, you know, um, part of, a uh, big part of... Um, one of the Japanese religions that's a big part of the country uh, is that, you know, everything has kind of a soul or everything has a, like, a piece of existence along with it, even, you know, inanimate objects. And so um, basically what these omemories are is that this person's soul kind of lives on through that. I hope I'm explaining this correct and not butchering it, but it's almost like this soul, their soul is intrinsically connected to these items that you... Uh, keep with you kind of as a keepsake and so when you have these items like if you're carrying it around then it's basically like this person is constantly watching over you and so with this being uh, the switch version of that it's basically like uh, Iwata is watching over each and every individual switch wherever we take it wherever we go yeah, and uh, man, basically and with it being a handheld console that's really important you know if it was just like He's always watching you, watching over you, and trying to keep you safe when you're at home. It's like, no, you're going to take your switch everywhere. It's always going to be with you, or should at least. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so it's like he's he's constantly watching over every single one of us, which is really beautiful. And these, any these type of legacy things, you always get, always get me right in the feels, you know? Yeah, get you in the feels. Well, in a way, it's you like think about when when they, someone goes, it's like what they leave behind. Like, you know, most of us are just gonna. Our kids and our immediate families might talk about us now and again, and then eventually we'll just be gone. Or disappear. A picture, yeah. maybe. And then even the best of us are like, well, maybe you're just a picture on the wall in your community or something. Or uh, Even better than that, maybe you're you're like a Wada and you're in some, some history books or whatever it may be. But this is, I don't know, this kind of stuff, it just always gets me. Cause this is so Dom very cool of them to do this. A quite a big handful of mushrooms about 45 <laughs> minutes ago and you can tell that they're kicking in right about um, now because he's getting deep as <laughs> and the way they they message it too is that you know every switch it's in every switch the nes emulator with golf it's and right. they say it's so iwata's spirit could shepherd the console for success and stuff like that it's just really cool right. i think it's a really touching way to do that i really hope that they you know they build like a statue for him maybe outside of Nintendo offices or something like that. That's more of an American thing. You don't really see that like in other countries, but I don't know. Right. They did this in a very Japanese way, yeah. which I'm super down with. It's, it's, you know, it's on the day of his death, not his birthday, which yep. we wouldn't necessarily do. And, you know, obviously the thing I just explained is, is very, uh, Japanese culture wise. Um, it's really cool the way that they did this. And, you know, it continues to show like how big of an impact he had on this industry, which is was very obvious when he passed. Yeah, the the legacy uh, that he has left is obviously very important. I personally, um, of course, I would never say I was like happy when he died, but I just wasn't down with his policies and the directions that he took Nintendo in, and so um, I still have an immense amount of respect for the man simply because of the his colleagues like you can tell not just the the legacy like you said dom that he's left but just the fact that his uh colleagues have such high respect for him is is showing how important he was well he was their leader not their boss like i think that's a huge thing is that yeah he wasn't this figure that they looked at like oh we need to follow his orders they're like he's somebody that inspires us to like do so like we love working for this man you know um, yeah, and he's kind of like um, how Phil Spencer, a lot of people talk about Phil Spencer currently, which is like we appreciate the fact that we have someone, or even Shuhei Yoshida with PlayStation, like we're appreciative of the fact that we know there's someone at the top looking out for us as a gamer and not just as a numbers guy, a business well, guy, a, a dollar sign yeah, guy. Yeah, there's a, there's a, like, like they a... care about the games. There's a human connection there, like a relatable factor, and like... I think Phil Spencer's right. like arguably the easily the greatest thing that could, that happened to Xbox, and he's he's the most oh, notable yeah. person that's ever been in charge of Xbox. Like Don Matrick can eat a dick. <laughs> like I don't like yes. that guy. Uh, Somebody needed to say it. Yeah, he, yeah, he. You could tell Don he Matrick was, can eat a dick. That is super correct. He he was the suit guy. You know what I mean? He he was Absolutely. the suit guy that had that didn't really care. He yeah, I just don't think he did anything 
really great for the company, and I think Phil Spencer is you know <laughs> moving in a great direction. Um, let's Watch close. the supercut of that reveal where it's like TV, TV, Call of Duty. Oh God, <laughs> it's so fucking uh, funny. Uh, um, yeah, let's close out the show. Uh, I'm going to be playing more Destiny 2, obviously. Um, I didn't go watch Mother After All because it was so divisive that I'm just going to wait for it to come be available elsewhere. I didn't feel like Yeah, spending. I've heard some people, like, seriously shitting on it, and I was like, yeah. I didn't, I'm serious. Like, to be good. I'm interested in still watching it, but I didn't feel like I needed to go to the theater Absolutely. to watch it. But I'm going think, to watch... you know, if there's something that's important to you like that, you should always give it a shot, even though people are shitting on it. Yeah, though, no, I'm not, I'm not, like, I'm still going to watch it. It's just, for me... Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it, uh, and then I realized that Kingsman is coming out this week, and I'm like, I'm Fuck, just gonna go watch yes. Kingsman. So, uh, <laughs> Fuck yes. Uh, also, uh, what was I gonna say? I can't. Remember. Oh, shout out to the Blade Runner short that they released online um, with oh, Dave so Bautista's excited. character. I'm waiting for like, waiting for closer to the movie. Oh, it's by the it's, it's by Mr. Cowboy Bebop slash Samurai Shampoo, which are two of my favorite. It's animes. great. But I'm not yes. gonna ruin it for you, Jordan, because obviously, like, it ties into Dave Bautista's character in the movie. I've never even seen the first Blade Runner, but Blade Runner 2049 looks cool. I'm planning oh, on gosh. watching the first. Blade Runner before I go watch the, the sequel in theaters. Anyways, yeah. shout out to Dave Bautista for becoming an actual character actor. That short, like, even in Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah, he plays like this big comical goof guy, but I think his acting is way better than any other professional wrestler that's come to the acting scene. Like, John Cena, anybody. Like, I think he actually took this seriously, and he had to have been taking classes because when you see him in this Blade Runner short... He's, he's like a legitimate actor now, man. And it's really surprising, and it's awesome. Now, I'm, what about The Rock? You gotta give The Rock his props. Like The Rock's an action I'm star, s- though. I'm not say, I don't think he's a character actor. He's he's a good actor, sure. but he's not like... You know, he's not the type of guy that'll play well in dramas or these more serious tone things. Like, I think The Rock is great, but I'm talking about wrestlers coming to being, like, like character actors or drama actors. I don't think anybody's yeah. even come close to Dave Bautista. I just feel close. like The Rock's come a long way and, and even maybe paved oh. the path for. Do- oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. The Rock, The Rock is 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 miles ahead in terms of just movie star potential, and I think he did pave the path too. And he's a lot better now than when he first started off. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, but I wouldn't say he's a character actor by any means. Definitely like right. an action star guy still, but he's working on it. You know, Tooth Fairy. I, I, dude, when I heard that this was announced, like I said, I just mentioned two of some of the best anime of all time that are also two of my favorite. That uh, this, I I'm, unfortunately don't remember the gentleman's name who is the creator of those series and now this short. But when I heard that that's what he was doing, like uh, I just fucking melted, man. And you know, Blade Runner is a tough movie to follow up. I think that. Um, you know, you'll have to do a, a tiny bit of research and just go through the Wikipedia article because they explain all the fucking different releases that it's had, and they are very important. It's not just like a few extra minutes of footage; like it totally changes the movie. Um, so you'll want to watch the uh, definitive cut that they have, whichever one. Um, I think it's the director's cut, um, but anyways, actually, it's not the director's cut because Ridley Scott wasn't <laughs> involved. Sorry for the tangent, God, but anyways. Yeah. Um, Clearly, Blade Runner is a tough movie to follow up, and uh, Denis Villeneuve seems like the greatest guy in the world that it could possibly be. He's also working on the Dune franchise, um, so I would like to say, in Denis, we trust, and also, I cannot wait to watch this short. Lastly, Thank you for bringing it up, Jared. No problem. Lastly, shout out to the um, the Punisher trailer, which features Metallica's one playing in the background. Such <laughs> oh, a dope trailer. Such a dope trailer. Um, yeah, I'll pretty have much to watch it for that me. After I see the series, pretty much it for me. You guys, next week, what are you doing? Play Dishonored, Death of the Outsider. Hell yeah! You think you're gonna finish it by next week? Maybe. Probably not. Probably not. Any Persona? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> oh, Batman comes out next week. Uh, second episode, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds Isn't about it the 25th right. Twenty fifth or twenty sixth. Yeah, I think that sounds right. Uh, That's what I'm gonna Cuphead do. Cuphead comes out uh, next Friday too. Ooh. Can't wait. Ooh. And also, Ooh. guys, the most important release coming up is Pokemon Motherfucking Silver: The Greatest Generation <laughs> on Nintendo 3DS. Uh, yeah, they're doing a, like a physical box release too, right? That doesn't come with the game, but you could just buy the box. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm about that digital, but uh, yeah, I fucking love me some gold and silver. Actually. I'm kicking myself because I haven't got around to playing Soul Silver, but uh, yeah, man, super excited for this release. Dude, 
and uh, yeah. I love Silver Soul Silver. It's it's my favorite Pokemon game. Soul Silver is yeah, dude. It they it, fuck. It, I dude. gotta play this shit, dude. Yeah, fuck. So, like I loved Silver, right? Silver was my jam. It's mm. difficult to go back and play that game. Like it's very difficult to even go back and play the original Red, Blue, and Yellow. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I'll be okay because I spent like thirty hours with Red or yeah, but like Red or Red. Dude, the Soul Silver is like. It's just a very good, well-done upgrade. It's like everything you love about Silver, but just better. Like modern, right. just faster. Mm, it's it's beautiful. Uh, Ooh, the Magnifico <laughs> Kiss. Yeah. Okay. Anime, you, you finished uh, My Hero Academia, so what else? You... I finished the first season, and okay. they're uh, just about to finish up the second season, so I'm about to dive into that. Uh, continuing with Yu Yu Hakusho. And uh, you know some of the all-time greats that I mentioned earlier, like <laughs> Dragon Ball and Gundam. Um, so I'll be continuing on with those. Like I said, Pokemon Silver is coming out. Super excited about that. Also super excited about uh, Cuphead. And um, I might be, I might be, you know, balls Pull deep. Pull the trigger. In, yeah, I might finally just pow. The uh, <laughs> balls deep into Destiny next time we talk. So. Um, yeah, it's definitely going to happen. Uh, it'll. It's more of a if as opposed to, or when as opposed to if. Um, so that's definitely happening. And uh, super excited about Kingsman. Glad you brought that up, Jared. Uh, if you haven't seen the original Kingsman, do yourself a favor. Check that one out. Um, and then uh, shout out to a couple series that have come back. Just watched the second episode of the fourth season of Broad City. That shit's fucking hilarious. If you haven't watched Broad City, give it a uh, give it a try. And um, another a big shout out to Better Things, par starring Pamela Adlon. It's uh, executive produced by Louis C.K., which she was a big uh, part of the show Louis back when he was doing that. Hopefully, it'll come back. And uh, I think, let's see, I watched The Orville, which is uh, Seth MacFarlane's new Oof. show, um, <laughs> which is what. No, I just I've heard very mixed things about Orville. So yeah, I'm I'm mixed on it, but it's not terrible. It's a little bit because uh, obviously, like his humor is very uh, not like you know buttoned up or whatever, and yeah. the show is a little a little buttoned up, so it's a little weird coming. It's like from fitting him. a square peg in a round hole. It's it's a little weird to me. It's a little weird, but it is... Uh, I think the show has potential, which I'm excited about. And it did make me laugh several times throughout the first two episodes. Um, there's a couple other shows that are going on. You know, it's September, so all that shit's coming back. Um, one thing that I want to say, though, is Jared is totally correct. Don Matrick can get fucked. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to make sure we put that back out there. Uh, thank you guys for listening to episode 72. If you can, please like us on iTunes, follow us, leave us a review if you can. Also, please subscribe to us on YouTube, even if you're not going to watch a YouTube video. It'd be great if you went over there and subscribed. You can follow us at CTRLINT, that's Controlled Interest Abbreviated. I'm at Jared underscore, J-E-R-R-A-D underscore. Dom is at Dom's Oreos, the way you'd spell it. <laughs> and uh, Jordan is at Malamodus, M-E-L-L-O-W-M-O-D-U-S. Um, and lastly, I want to say congratulations to the Bears for having the least mobile quarterback in NFL history. The dude makes Peyton Manning look like Michael Vick. It is awful. Uh, and but, the Titans are 2 0. Yeah, and the Titans, dude. Titans look good. If they didn't play the Raiders week one, they you know would what? have been 2 0 too. Titans are looking really since, good too. Since, well, I, I don't know if I'd go that far, Jared. The Titans have not looked really good for a long time. No, they're looking time, really good this year, this. though. They're looking really good. I've we've had seasons like that before <laughs> where it's like, hey man, they're looking good, and yeah. then it's like, wow, they only won three fucking games. Damn. Uh, since we're giving out NFL shoutouts, though, I want to give a shout out to my home team, the Titans, for being the coolest team name. See, <laughs> sorry we're going long here, but the the Nashville is considered the Athens of the South. We have the Parthenon, which is fucking dope if you ever get to see it. It is really cool. The, the Statue of Athena is really awesome to stand in front of. We also have uh, some of the most... It's like 
the heavily most heavily congested city as far as uh, college education and universities go, uh, which Athens was Athens the city was known for its uh, education, and so that's why it's called Athens of the South, which is the reason why they're called the Titans. And when you just think about the fucking Titans, like these just mythical gigantic beings with scary powers and shit walking onto the field, like that shit is dope. Just like. A saber-toothed tiger, which is the Nashville Predators. So you know we got something going on. As my far only as gripe, names. my only gripe with them, agreed. You love the name, love the color scheme. I wish they had a really cool secondary logo because, like, the 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 team yeah, with the sword and flame is cool. Justice. I just wish there was a cool like Titan secondary logo. Also, yeah, shout out to absolutely. the Lions new jerseys, uh, the new color scheme that they use in some of their cool. games this Pretty year. Cool. Really like it. And I'm a bear, so I'm not supposed to like the Lions, but they're not the <laughs> Packers, so I could care less. The Packers are the one I can't stand. We have a common enemy. So, yeah, exactly. Jared, we actually have, there's the main Flaming Shield logo that you're talking about with the yeah. three stars of Tennessee. We also have a logo that has the circle with the three stars of Tennessee, and then it has a sword. Yeah the downward sword you might have seen that it's still not quite there because i'd love to see a fucking titan like with flames in his hand you know about to just destroy somebody that'd be really cool but we do have the sword so i gotta give that a shout out that's i like that one better than i would even like a design of like a titan head but it's in the shape of like a t abstractly i think that'd be cool Ah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Love um, that. Love thank you guys for listening to our, our NFL mini podcast. Uh, we'll catch you guys <laughs> next week. Everyone going to be here next week? Pretty sure, right? I think it's going to be all three of us again. Yeah. yeah. Unless otherwise noted. Uh, yeah. Can't th- wait to talk about sports. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Bye.